Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. So this morning we're going to be in Revelation 17. If you're new to the Bible, it's the last book. (laughs) So just take out your Bible, go all the way to Revelation chapter 16. It's been pretty fascinating what we've been covering lately. Uh, We, the last message was titled The Harlot and the Beast, and it was a symbolism that God had provided, and there was so many layers of that symbolism. So this is going to be the the second of a four-part series. Uh, And I'm going to tell you something. Next Sunday, the next two Sundays, you're going to start to see how things that are happening in the world are lining up with what this prophecy says. I mean, I've taught this 12 years ago. And you could make some cases for things that were happening, boy, today in our country, in our world. You can really see these prophecies come alive. It's very powerful. So today we're going to finish with the harlot is destroyed, verses 7 through 18. And again, if you're new to the church or you missed the messages, you can go on our website. It's on the uh, bulletin and you could go for free after service and check it out. So whatever we cover today, if you're like, wow, I I didn't get the last one. When you go back and watch that one, you're going to say, okay, a lot of the blanks are filled in. And we're going to look at this in four parts. So this is pretty neat. So chapter 17, verse 7. But the angel said to me, why did you marvel? Now, this is the apostle John who is seeing this incredible revelation. Uh, Most of it is about Jesus Christ and his second coming. But, you know, remember, there's two, two millennia of since Jesus was here the last time that a lot of things have been covered. A lot happens in 2000 years. Even our nation isn't that old. Right. We're, we're a blip compared to what's happened over 2000 years. And people become America focused. And when you study the Bible, I didn't care what happened. I'm not a traveler. I'm a homebody. It wasn't until I started when I got saved and started reading the Bible that I realized there's a whole world outside of our shores. And really, that's where the action is happening when it comes to prophecy. It's really not so much here, but we're going to be carried along with this system. We have to be according to prophecy. So John is getting this vision and the angel is sort of giving him a tour. At times, John has, I would call sensory overload. (laughs) He falls down to the ground. If God showed you the things that he showed John, it probably would happen to you too. But he was to see the vision. He was to understand the vision. He was supposed to write it down. Now, if you look at 2,000 years of human history, you know this is from God. Because how the heck, how in the world can anybody know what he knew 2,000 years ago? It's totally impossible. That's like me trying to explain to you, well, the United States is going to be uh, destroyed. Another nation is going to come in and 500 years, they're going to have this operating empire. You'd be like, what are you talking about? First of all, how do you know this? And and I don't believe it's true. But John said it. Nobody thought the empire, the Roman Empire would die. It was that it was, you know, depending on which historian you look at and depending on how you see the fragmentation of it. Roman Empire lasted almost a thousand years. We're almost 300 years and we're tearing each other apart from the inside. A lot of good information in here. I get, I get very excited. I got, I got to bring it down a little bit. It's just so exciting. And, and how can I say this with a smile? Because I know my Lord. 
And as Christians, we shouldn't say, well, we know Jesus and everybody's doing their thing and that's on them. No, as Christians, we should want this information to get to them too so they could have the same hope that we have. Amen? Right? So, all right, let's do this again. (laughs) Verse 7. But the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. And we've seen this in multiple chapters in Revelation and also in Daniel 7. The beast that you saw was, is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was, and is not, and yet is. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. And the beast that was, is not, and is himself also the eighth, and is of the seventh, and is going to perdition. I'm going to make sense of this. (laughs) You're like, what? It's like watching a tennis match. And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as of yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, for he is lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. And he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, languages, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God has put in their hearts to fulfill this purpose or his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. That's a mouthful. Four parts. The first one is the beast explained. Remember, and this is the confusion sometimes initially studying the Bible. Well, I saw Daniel 7 and I kind of saw the beast, right? But then I looked at Revelation 13 and the beast was very similar but looked different. And you go through the scripture and you, there's subtle nuances. But that's the point. It depends. See, we, you know, what I just said five minutes ago is the past. What I'm doing now is the present. In a minute, it'll be the past. What I'm going to do in two minutes is the future. Confusing. Linear time. God sees everything at the same time. He's diachronistic. So this book was written throughout time. And we're going to talk about the tenses, the past and present and future tense. So the beast, Revelation 13, tells us a different story about the beast What's happening in the future compared to Daniel 7, where the full beast didn't take place yet, right? With Revelation, we're getting closer. So there's some nuances to the description of the beast. Let's start with the harlot. If we could put up image one, and then we can move to the beast. Now, we covered, I'm not going to go through everything I said last Sunday. You know, there's the beast, and this is an artist's representation, obviously. The heads, the horns, the harlot, the golden cup, the pearls, um, you know, again, it's not, she's not a person. It's symbolism. It's a metaphor, right? But this is the false religious system, the purple and scarlet, that sits and controls this quasi-governmental powerful entity. And, and again, we covered a lot of that. The harlot is the false religious system sans God or without God. 
the harlot as a false religious system and the beast, okay? The beast, again, we talked about the political power system. When you look throughout time at the beast, Daniel, Revelation, what we find is that it represents evil and powerful empires, cities, leaders, certainly the Antichrist to come, and the state church for a time that got drunk with power. Um, And they're all empowered by satanic influences. The woman will try to influence as many things and people and groups and organizations as she can. She rides the beast. It appears that she's in control of the beast. But then we're going to see a flip and we're going to explain what that means. However, as Karl Marx said, religion is the opiate of the masses. He was correct in a sense not about a relationship with Christ through Jesus Christ, but through how people can be controlled through, through religion. And there's some pulpits that are preaching things that have nothing to do with the word. It's all about the control of that person preaching. And you have to be able to discern the difference. You see what I'm saying? Verse 8, the beast. He was, is not, will ascend out of the bottomless pit. We see this in Revelation chapter 20. And he's going to go to perdition. There's a lot of clues here. A lot of clues. Okay, and there's a lot of different reasons why God used these metaphors. Um, we talked about Revelation 9, Revelation 20, the abusa, so the bottomless pit. There's no bottom to it. And we talked about how the structure of that is. And I'm going a little quicker with some of this older stuff because we covered it. Um, one fits this descript- description, right? The bottomless pit is key. We, we, when we think about Satan and him being key, the future being put in there, incarcerated, and then after a thousand years, he comes out again uh, and then goes to perdition or the lake of fire. So this is Satan. He was, was. At John's time, go back to Genesis, right? Past tense. We don't know when Satan was created. Lucifer, who rebelled and took a third of the stars with him. We see that in Revelation. But according to where John is standing we look at the book of Genesis, we know that he, he, since sin entered the world, he was a part of that, and he's been deceiving the human race since. So he was. Is not. He wasn't fully functioning at the time of John, and some have, uh, they debate that, which is fine. But we're really going to, I mean, he's, he's active in the world, but the future, it's going to be more powerful. Verse 8b, those of the earth will marvel, they'll admire the ones that, whose names are not written in the book of life. Jesus said that the deception would be so great. And folks, we are living in the world. You see stuff in the news. You see stuff online, cable. You see stuff in social media. And at this point, you don't even know what to believe anymore. Like, I, I have to do a lot of work when somebody sends me an article. This is happening. And then I have to vet it. And it takes a long time to try to find. And there's a, there's a, there's a technique to vet sources. But... We have to do more homework now if we're actually looking for the truth. Jesus said that if possible in these days, that even the elect, if possible, would be deceived. So even those who have the Holy Spirit, if they're quenching or grieving the Holy Spirit, there's a fine line with them not understanding the Bible, not praying, not reading the Bible, and being drawn along with, with the way the world is going. So Jesus makes it clear that, and, and given this information to John, that the ones that will marvel at this beast, this, this coming antichrist, this charismatic globalist, right, who, when you look at the beast, you see him all over it, they're going to be mesmerized by what? 
his power, his charisma, secular humanism, you know, getting mankind to a place of nirvana or utopia without using God. That's the way the world is going. That's the way the world is going. Now, this isn't surprising to me because all you need to do today is put a camera on somebody and give them a microphone. And if you do that enough, people will worship them. I'm not much of a sports person, so I might offend some sports people, but baseball, hockey, basketball, you know, football, you give men a grown ball and they play with a ball and you sell their stuff and their jerseys. And a lot of our youth worship these people. They're playing with a ball. I worship Jesus. I I worship Jesus alone. I am, I look up to godly people, but we live in a culture where they, they go out there and, and they did these experiments, these sociological experiments. Somebody would dress up nice and have like a pretend camera and they would go out and people would fawn all over them. They were pretending to be journalists. Hollywood, what do they do for a living? They lie. They're actors. They pretend to be somebody they're not. Worshipped. So we live in a society that pretty much, is, listen, politicians, charismatic politicians, right? Worship. You know, when I became a Christian some 25 years ago, and I read this, I'm like, how could people be so, I use the word stupid, but now we're seeing it. We're being funneled into thought, into belief, into accepting certain things. This is the culture we live in. It's, it's worship of man. Jesus Christ, passe, 2,000 years ago, tell me something new. Who's the next person who's going to be on the next Netflix series? So this doesn't surprise me, Right? But I have this question for you, is whenever I see this written, whose names are written in the book of life, I have to ask you, are you not a believer? Did you come here? Are you seeking? Is your name written in the book of life? Well, 1 John 5 tells us that you can be assured of eternal life. It's not a guess. It's not a worry. It's not a hope. It's an assurance if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. This world is sinking and fast and fast. Verse 9 through 10, the beast has seven heads, right? Uh, There's seven mountains where the harlot sits, the false religious system. Rome was always known and is still known as the city on, on seven hills. Remember when I told you last Sunday that the false teaching of Babylon got into the Roman Empire. Yes, they had a pantheon of Greco-Roman gods, but they started to accept the Babylonian ways, because the woman corrupts everything. She gets into every system if it's around long enough. She's definitely in the culture that we're in today. It's a very godless culture. So the false religion and and Babylon had got into Rome, the Roman Empire, and when the Roman Empire fell, there was a power vacuum. Much of the state church at the time became very powerful, and she got into that as well. But, he says, there are also seven kings. And this is God's word. He could say whatever he wants. He could say that there's three or four meanings. He's speaking about the seven heads having two meanings. Yes, the seven hills or the seven mountains, but also seven kings, right? So let's look at this um, diachronistically or through time. Now, there's a preterist view from my Bible students that says that everything in Revelation happened in the first century, It's very hard to fit in everything that we read into the first century. 
That's a very lazy view, in my opinion. It's, it's very easy to be dismissive of the book of Revelation when you do that. And it also, God has had the human race for thousands of years. And since Christ, it's been 2,000 year, years, so he's only speaking to the people at that time period. What about us? What are we supposed to look for? So I have a problem with the preterist view. Let's look at this. Five kings or rulers, this, this seven again, right? Five kings or rulers have fallen. Bazilu, I believe, is the Greek word. Uh, kings, we, we don't understand kings that much in the United States. We, the monarchies kind of went away. You know, we have a different form of government. But you've got to look at the times that it was written. So the kings were one and the same with the empires that they controlled. So you look at kings or monarchs or dictators and their kingdom as one and the same. The only way you get rid of them is to assassinate them or if they died. That's just the way it worked back then. So five prior, five have fallen. One is, the other hasn't come yet. But when he comes, he has to be continue in a short time. Because when we look at the final kingdom, which hasn't happened yet, a lot of people try to fit the United States into prophecy, and it's really a difficult thing to do. It's, you know, again, it's, it's America-centric, and you can't look at the Bible as America-centric. You have to look at the Bible for what it says. So I don't, I don't see us as an empire. But there's going to be an empire that's going to come. It's going to be that last empire. We're going to talk about that. So in addition to Rome, at the time of Rome, there were five rulers or kingdoms that had fallen. And when you study your history books and you see the tentacles of Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, you realize that when those were kingdoms, those were almost world-dominating organizations and kingdoms. So the United States, Britain, it really doesn't fit into these, these type of kingdoms. One is, so five has fallen, right? The ones I just mentioned at the time of John, the first century, one is, which was Rome, Rome was still alive, and one is to come. Again, when the kingdom comes, it's already being set up, by the way, and I've talked about globalism, I've talked about authoritarian globalism, the push to move the United States into this, this system that has to happen, because mankind wants it to happen, those who are in charge, those who run things, Right? And we're going to see this confederation of nations come together. I talked about regionalism. I talked about the European Union. I talked about the African Union. I talked about the Asian Cooperative Dialogue. These are real things that are taking place as we speak. And they're not that old. Wild stuff. So this one person is going to be the king or this monarch or the dictator or the fascist of this. He's going to be a charismatic global leader. He's going to rise to the top and then his personality is going to change. And let me make my case for that. Verse 11. Listen, if, if you, you walked in here, I know there's not a lot of applications in here this morning. But when your friends who are struggling with making sense of what's going on in our culture don't know what to do. Some people are getting depressed. Um, there's more people seeking uh, mental help, right? It's a very sad time that we're living in. You'll have the answers, And when God shows us these things have to happen, but trust me, I'm going to be the last kingdom and my kingdom will have no end. And there's a reason why he allows these things to happen. Then your friend who's suffering, who doesn't know Christ might go, tell me more. 
Because when we don't know, when people don't know, they tend to live in fear. And we see a lot of fear running rampant through our culture because many of our leaders don't have the answers and it trickles down to their constituents. So yes, there are applications. Verse 11, the beast, this antichrist who runs this future, you know, confederation of nations, it's probably not that far from here, is the eighth, but he's also of the seventh. Oh, the numbers, Pastor Joe, watch. And numbers mean a lot in the scripture, right? So the seventh to the eighth, I've gone through the Antichrist, I've gone through the Old Testament, I've gone through all the scriptures, I've gone through the assassination attempt. Um, This is a, remember, everything that God does, Satan tries to copy, it's a counterfeit. So... When this this Antichrist takes this wound, and I talked about edge weapons, and I talked about um, carbon-based weapons, and, you know, even I did three presidential details when I was in law enforcement. Uh, But this this leader is going to be an attempt on his life, and he, for all intents and purposes, is going to die. Then he's going to come back. Right? What everything that God does, Satan copies. This is a false resurrection. This is going to be when, and I don't know how it happens. I don't have the details. God didn't give me that information. But he, he comes back to life. He seems to suffer this head wound and all is lost and all his bodyguards and they go to the, and somehow he comes back to life. However, again, this is a false resurrection. Number eight, eight in the Bible is new beginnings. The one who started that was, of course, God, right? Jesus was resurrected on Sunday, and then then there was a new beginning. And then you see this this major change in the church. So Satan is copying that. So eighth, he's the eighth. He's part of the seventh, but he's of the eighth. So in a sense, from he's the same person from seven to eight, but I believe he's fully possessed at this point. And maybe literally everything that he does, Satan is, is moving his arms. He's probably dead. I don't know. It's crazy to think about, but this is what it says. The seventh, the 10 nation European confederation, right? <laughs> this, it, I know this, but it's not as easy to teach. <laughs> so he said, but he, he is not. So he dies and becomes the eighth. So you got this transition. And again, the way I can explain it is this, this person who's probably alive today. He's, you know, there's some people that, they never even had a real job, but they just want to be a politician. They want to have control over people. There should be some type of sociological or psychological experiment on people who want to do this, who aren't kind to the people they're over. They make rules. They don't follow them. You see this all throughout our country today. They almost act as if they're, they're royalty. And the rest of us just shut up and pay your taxes. You know, we're the serfs, you know, on the fields. And you wonder... What goes on in someone's mind when they have this type of idea? So this person will, I'm going to say, probably now, he's probably benign, seemingly affable. He's charismatic. He has a globalist agenda. There's going to be a flip when he goes from the seventh to the eighth. He has his power base. He doesn't need any more help. He becomes pure evil, satanic, fascist overnight. But before that happens, remember, the, the ones who aren't written in a book of life, they'll marvel. And you'll, not you, because according to the scripture, the, the church is, thank God, removed before this horrible time of implosion takes place. 
But those who come to Christ, who maybe all these Bibles are left behind and they start reading, people get saved by reading the Bible all the time. They don't even need a teacher. They read the Bible and God speaks to them through the words and they, they just change. Right? Amen. You guys don't need me. You can just read the Bible. <laughs> so it, the attitude will almost be like, well, who needs Jesus? Our guy was resurrected from the dead. Everything he touches, like Midas, turns to gold. Look at the peace treaties. Look at Israel in the Middle East. There's no more bombings, no more buses getting blown up. This is all in the scripture, folks. I'm not, I'm not even using conjecture, conjecture here. So the attitude will be like, well, anything that your Jesus could do, our guy did and is doing. We don't need Jesus. So people will, come, will get saved during this horrible time, but probably not a whole lot. The word perdition is used to not, uh, in this chapter because the satanic trio, right? The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet are the first ones that end up going into the lake of fire. Perdition. That's it. It's the end for them. They're evil. In uh, Matthew, I think it's 25, when Jesus speaks about the sad fact of those who have rejected God and his message of salvation over and over and over again until they die. And he speaks about the, the lake of fire. He speaks about hell. And he says, specifically, Jesus said, as a qualifier, prepared for the devil and his angels. It was never pre- prepared for people. But when people went and followed Satan and they basically said, you know, hell's a, a tough concept, but at the same time, these people, they don't want God. They don't want to be with him for eternity. They, they have no interest in God. Some people hate God. Some people change. And that's why we need to be praying constantly for revival. And the people that we know and love who are just not, they're not into the scripture, not into Jesus Christ. And then we die. Verse 12, he says, And the ten horns <clears throat> which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. Remember, this is a short amount of time. This is a kingdom. This is an empire with all the reach of the old ones, with all the power, with all the glory, but it doesn't last anywhere as long as Greece, as Rome. You see, so this is brilliant. One hour is like, that's nothing. You know, this, this is at best seven years during the tribulation. At its peak and apex, three and a half years. Because we know in that three and a half year mark, there's a, there's a dichotomy between the first three and a half years and the last three and a half years. If any, listen, I'll be here after service. If I'm losing anybody with this, let me know. So the ten horns are the ten kings who have no kingdom but receive authority for one hour as kings with the beasts. So the ten kings who have no kingdom but have some type of authority from this global antichrist, this, this leader, right? Who's ahead of this ten-nation confederation of Europe and, you know, it, it has far-reaching tentacles. Now, I've listened to different Bible teachers and there's subtle nuances sometimes in some of our teachings, which I'm cool with. I'm, I, don't, I'm not, I don't have all the answers. Um, some look at this and say, well, they had no kingdom at the time of John. I like that. But just like the seven hills and the seven kings, they, that it, there was a double meaning. I'm looking at this as that they're confederated 
They don't really have autonomy. The 10 nations have to be confederated together and have equal say, but the, the Antichrist is leading them. We have the benefit of looking back at 2,000 years of human history, especially in the 20th century, because you may say to me, and I have skeptics all the time, oh, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. When you keep reading and you keep praying, it will make sense. God will show you. Verse 13, they give their power and authority to the beast. You know that, and I, I studied a lot of the, about the 20th century, that when Hitler, his Third Reich, marched from Germany to Austria, they didn't fight him. They didn't cower in fear. They threw a party. The Austrians gave power to the Third Reich. So we've seen this happen in history. The Russian Federation, right? The landmass of Russia is huge, 11 time zones. But Russia, not all of them, just like with the Third Reich, some of them fought like we don't want to be part of this. Some in the Russian Federation gave their power and authority to Stalin. So the king or the monarch or the president or the chancellor said, yeah, I'll go along with them. So it's happened. Nothing unusual about this. Remember I talked last Sunday about men in, in the military, in government who are larger than life. They're godlike fi figures to the nations. And they promise all, they, all the dictators and fascists all promise the same things. I don't care if they're Nazis or communists, or, they all say the same thing. So, hence the final Antichrist, 1 John 2, we covered that last Sunday. You know, there are people in our country that have come from the horrors of Nazism, the horrors of communism, and they've gone through the process to become American citizens, and they've warned us, but we're not listening. And I say this as a culture. Because today, this is so dumb in politics, and both sides do it. You're Hitler. No, you're Hitler. You're a commie. No, you're a commie. Now, where's that going to get us? But these people who actually come from these areas say, you don't understand what this is about. You guys are throwing these words around real loosely, and you're, 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 you're taking the, the bite and the sting out of these words and terms. So when it comes, you're not going to recognize it. There's a few of them. They're talking. I was around during this. I was around during world. I led. I, I, I fled. And we're not listening. Here's the irony. That today, many who claim to, to be against fascism, they're fighting fascism. They're embracing a coming infrastructure which will usher in the worst type of fashion, fascism anyone has ever seen. I think some of these people, they throw these words out. Look it up in the dictionary. Study 20th century history. I know teachers that are telling me, even during COVID, they couldn't teach all the subjects. This is a fact. And they told me that history had to go. They're already dumbing down history. Now some of the kids aren't even being taught history. Well, what do you think? You get these leaders that rise up and promise them everything? What's going to happen? People today are going to embrace the Trojan horse. They're going to embrace fascism in the Trojan horse of globalism, which today everyone seems to love. And I'm hearing pulpits. Globalism's great. I talked to you what globalism should do and what it shouldn't do last Sunday. Having an over-authoritarian globalism that takes every country and removes their Bill of Rights and, and, and weakens their Constitution, that's a problem. That's a power grab, folks. Verse 14, how else does the Antichrist be able to control so much, such a large swath of the world? Here's your answer. 
And I didn't know this 12 years ago when I taught it back then. Verse 14, these will make war with the lamb. Of course, that's Christ. And the lamb will overcome them for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. So two out of two is here's an aside with context. Making war with the lamb. Well, that's really one of the final battles, the battle of Armageddon. And we covered this when we covered Armageddon. And I'll tell you this too, that I, I call this an aside because... If you, when we go through all of this, when the Lord calls his church home because he doesn't want us to, this is going to be a really depressing time. There are going to be people who maybe are sitting here today, one, two, a handful, that the people that they know that are true believers are gone. And they're like, where did everybody go? And boy, there's a lot of explanations for that. Um, I'm seeing the whole alien movement on mainstream media now. There's going to be a lot of explanations for why a lot of people disappear. But there'll be Bibles everywhere. And there are people who will be left behind who will open up Bibles. And I'm going to tell you, there are certain scriptures, and this is one of them, that I believe are an aside, that when the person who's left behind reads it goes, the light bulb goes off. They get it. And they could be your loved ones. They could be related to me. But they're going to get it, and that's a good thing, because in the end, we'll be, all be in the same place. God loves the world so much that even when this time period has to happen, these are what I call left-behind scriptures, because it almost doesn't fit here. But if you think about it that way, it certainly does fit. But I'm going to say this to so anybody sitting here watching, don't let that be you. And I, I have friends who say, well, you know, Pastor Joe, when, when that happens, I'll get it. And then I'll believe. Yep. I'm like, why would you want to go through these horrible seven years? You know, why don't you just research it now instead of waiting until like, you know, the, the, the fire escape plan, you know what I'm saying? Why do that? So verse 14, he says, and those who are with them are called chosen and faithful, chosen and faithful. Are we the chosen and faithful? Verse 15, last few verses, it says, and he said to me, the angel The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are people's multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, the horns is a personification of the horns, which we've covered many a times. It's not just a piece of keratin, right? Because it's it's symbolism. It's not an actual monster, okay? And she's a symbolic too. She's a metaphor. She's not an actual person. The horns... Where was I? (laughs) The horns, they will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. Prophecy's got a, the time's got, there's a prophetic clock. And the woman who you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So... Three out of four, the harlot is destroyed. The waters which she sits, she's sitting on the beast. We see her sitting on waters, um, and they all have meaning. Peoples, multitudes, nations, tongues, or the entire world. Now, the woman in the last days will represent, when the, the true church is gone, the one world religion. This ecumenical, this is a... Listen, I could, I could write a movie for this. You know, it's just, I, I just have a, 
I have the, the imagination of like an eight-year-old. It's just, it's just, I'm like, oh, how's this going to happen? And I, it's, it's just my conjecture. But the world's going to be like, wow, we thought 2020 was bad. People are disappearing. Planes are coming out of the sky. There's cataclysms, global warming. Everything's getting really hot now with the fireballs. So let's all come together and pray. So those world religions, the one world religion, the ecumenical leader will bring all the spirituality together. And they're all going to mix, right? There's going to be no standards. It's not going to be based on the word of God. It's just going to be a religious exercise to try to stop what's going on. The world religion. And we've seen this. And it's not just popes. It's also leaders of uh, Protestant denominations gathering together today with leaders. Some are shamans. Some are pagans. Some worship animal gods. We know this today. This was happened in Assisi, Italy. They all got together and they all, it was just weird. Um, Jesus Christ, the word of God. No, we just got to all say stuff. It's going to get worse, right? Again, you can't marry paganism with, with God, the pers- personhood of God. Many will worship the beast. Remember, it's spiritual conditioning. And folks, we're being conditioned today. Every time you turn on the TV or turn on your computer, you're being conditioned. So my question is, are you more influenced by the word of God or by the conditioning? Does anybody, is, I mean, seriously, politicians, media people, sociologists, does anybody have any answers, folks? Even the people we're supposed to respect in the medical community, they keep changing their minds and they're just flipping about it. Yeah, but people are living in fear. So we're being conditioned to give up our rights, to live in fear, to be isolated. And these are all good things now. A lot has happened very fast in the last year. Now, some people, they, they hear me and they get upset. They, they get upset. Well, you're, you're moving into No, I'm not moving into any political realm. I'm telling you what's right and what's wrong. I'm talking about geopolitics. I'm telling you what fits in with the scripture. If you have a preconceived idea that doesn't fit with what's going on, that's your problem, not mine. Go to a church where they run around all day and laugh and talk about politics and sociology, but that's not here. We actually study the word of God. If you want the word of God, you've got to understand what the word of God is saying. So uh, groupthink, this is big on social media. It starts in the, in the college campuses, it moves to the media, then it moves to social media, and you have to believe everything that everyone's saying with this new, and a lot of it is against God. It's against Jesus Christ. We're being conditioned. These people are going to be conditioned. It's going to be complete. So here's my conjecture, all right? The beast destroys the harlot. There's a seven years awful period, the last Shabuah, or the Hebrew word, the last seven-year period, Daniel 7. No, Daniel 9 speaks about the, the sevens, right? The, 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 the 70 sevens, 490 years. Jesus fulfilled the first 69 sevens. There's one seven left that hasn't happened yet. So it's the seven years of hardship, this last Shavuot, according to Daniel 9. It's also commensurate, or it lines up, if you had that old, those old tracing papers and you put it an overlay, it lines up perfectly with, that, with the seven years that are coming upon the earth, this tribulation time. And I believe that somewhere in that three and a half year, it gets really bad. We hear about the, um, the treaty that the Antichrist makes with Israel, and I can give you all the reasons how they could do it. 
It's not hard to figure out, to be, give them a false sense of security. At the three-and-a-half-year mark, this global leader decides to break the treaty with Israel. I mean, this is right in the scripture. And he turns on the world's religion at the same time. And I believe he doesn't want any competition with worship because Satan has always wanted worship. Let me just give you a little something from history. I love history. I use history a lot in my messages to prove, not that I have to prove that the Bible is real, but I really want to seal it for you. Nero Caesar, if you read everything about Nero Caesar, the first part of his ruling, he actually was pretty balanced. He did a lot of great things. Ah, Nero, he burned Christians alive. What are you talking about, Pastor Joe? I'm talking about history. Something happened and it lines up the overlay, right? With the apostle Paul being arrested, he goes up, he appeals. He's a Roman citizen. He ends up going before Nero Caesar. No doubt the apostle Paul I know him from the word. I have never met him. That he laid a heavy, heavy witness on Nero Caesar. Nero Caesar obviously rejected Christ. The demons entered him, right? We, we see this in uh, Matthew 12, 43 through 45. He, he consciously and spiritually rejects the witness. He could have changed. He could have become a believer, but he chose to reject Christ. Paul's killed, the apostle Paul. That's a fact. He's beheaded. Nero goes nuts. He's um, starting fires, blaming the Christians. He's, he's dipping Christians in tar, lightening them on fire while they're alive so to light up his gardens at night, human torches, torches. What kind of sick person do you have to be to do that? If you read about Nero Caesar, we only know the bad part, but we don't know what he was like before that. I believe that the Antichrist is going to be the same way. He's going to be a person hell-bent for power. He's in government. He, all he could see is his rise to the top. Very charismatic, very uh, orate, a great orator, and something changes. So he's bad to begin with, but he goes from bad to completely demonic. Seen it in history, haven't we? Look at some of these dictators. Go back to early history. Some of them started out seemingly okay. And then there was a point in time where they just, like a light switch, they flip, right? Verse 16, the ten horns will hate the harlot. Make her desolate, naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. Boy, they really don't like her, do they? And that's visceral. So if we could put up the second image. So this, again, it's not a real person. Don't freak out. Um, but the, the world religion, the ecumenical leader, she thinks that she's in a position of power in the, in the prior frame. There's a point in time where the ten horns, right? Because it's not really a lion and a leopard. It's symbolic. The, the ten nations, for some reason, have this hatred for her. Maybe she's getting in a way. Maybe this world religion is, you know, stopping some things. And they completely flip on her. They, they kill her. Okay. Why? Because at this point, the global power structure is solidified. No need for religion anymore. No need for spirituality. And, as I said before, Satan doesn't like competition. So let me read to you 2 Thessalonians, only two verses, th 2, 3 through 4. Let no one deceive you by any means that that day, the day of the Lord, will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin, the Antichrist, that's been spoken about in many books of the Bible, including the Old Testament, is revealed. He's not revealed now because I don't know his name. And I don't know any Bible teacher that knows his name. Do you know his name? Don't call it out. People have been guessing politicians for like ever since I've been a Christian. Stop. No, no. It's, 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 it's George Bush. It's Bill Clinton. Stop. Okay, let's, let's 
you know, I've heard so many dumb things. But he's going to be revealed. It's going to be obvious. The son of perdition. He's not revealed yet. Verse 4. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. That's pretty tall order. That he sits as God in the temple of God, the rebuilt third temple. Right now there's just the wailing wall. There's foundations and stuff and, and, and uh, archaeological finds in the ground. But it's going to be rebuilt. We covered that in the scripture. So he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Worship me. He's always wanted worship. Now he gets his chance. And you know what? People will worship him. Right? Today I have a, an article in my office that the, the Satanists of America are upset because they want a tax-exempt status. And the IRS gave it to them a few years ago. So, well, we got our pentagrams and our goat god and our baphomet, and he's there holding little children. Grotesque, man. We're a church, too. We're the church of Satan. So you don't think that this is going to happen? It's happening in our country. It's sick. He'll have the, the, the globalist, the, the Antichrist, will have the military at his disposal, so it'll be swift and final. No more. A side note, that religion has always been used in revolutions. Yes. Study the Castro brothers. Study uh, Mao. Study Pol Pot. Study uh, Hitler. Stalin. You have a moral obligation. The workers, the middle class. Sound familiar? Well, what are you saying that you're going to do and what are you actually doing? You know, and we're, but where do we hit, get the next two Sundays? We're going to put all this stuff together. Um, once these people that I mentioned have gotten the power, they didn't need religion anymore. And really sad is that, and I'll give you two examples, Nazism and communism, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and many like him were solid Christians in Germany. And the German church split in half, half didn't want the persecution. They went with the Nazis. They put swastikas in there, like right up there, right? Um, the other half of the church had to go underground. So Bonhoeffer was fighting the Nazis and dum-dums who called themselves a church but went along with Nazism. Now, same thing happened in communist Russia. When the red wave came west and took all those nations, Pastor Wombrand in Romania, same thing. Communists said, listen, we don't want to hear about us. No resurrected Jesus in your churches. We're monitoring them. If you preach that, you're going away. You're going to disappear. And that's what happened to Pastor Wombrand. So not only was Pastor Wombrand fighting the communists, he was also fighting, dum-dum is probably not a nice word, but the churches that went along with the red flags and hammer and sickle. And I could tell you, folks, there are some churches today that are preaching some really weird stuff in their pulpits really weird stuff. So this stuff is in these churches and it's disgusting because people are listening to them because there's a pulpit and they have a title. They're going along with it. You're hearing more about social constructs and wokeism in the church over what does the Bible say? Your church needs to be studying the Bible wherever you don't have to go here, but go to a church that studies the scripture because because you have Christians that don't know which way to go because they don't know the word. They haven't heard the word. They don't learn the word. They don't study the word. They're not being mentored, discipled in the word. So the harlot and the beast, you got that. Um, we're going to go to Babylon. We're going to go to political and economic ba Babylon. Um, verse 17 through 18. 
last two verses. And these are two very interesting verses at the end. I'm going to do 18 first because I want to save 17 for last. 18, and the woman that you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So she's, she's on the seven hills, right? She's, uh, she's reigning over the seven kings, but she's also that great city. We're going to tie this up. This, this is, you know, when you, when you look at the, the woman, um, she is contrasted with the bride of Christ in Ephesians 5, and I believe it's Revelation 12, the woman who represents Israel. So two great women, but they're not real, they're symbols. Israel, the true Israel as, as the bride of, of, the, of God in the Old Testament, and the woman, the church, as the bride of Christ in the New Testament. So contrast with her. It denotes good spiritual relationships with God and obviously no relationship with God. Babylon is contrasted with Jerusalem or the ideal Jerusalem that was at times in the Old Testament and then got corrupted. But it's the ideal picture of Jerusalem and also the new Jerusalem, which we're going to cover in the scripture. And those cities denote destiny, everyday life and goals. So if I'm confusing anybody, the way to explain this is our life is multifaceted. Our life is complicated, right? We have relationships with people. We have relationships with God. We go to work. We have goals. We have plans. Um, we have professions. We have careers. So when you look at this, you have to understand that the woman represents the spirituality part and the, the new Jerusalem versus Babylon represents, you know, commerce and, and what we do, the temporal part of our life. So, God is trying to explain to us how these two things have affected the human race over the millennia. Okay, verse 17, four out of four. Last part is, for God has put it into their hearts to fulfill this purpose. Wow, the ten horns, throwing the woman off, burning her with fire, all this kind of stuff. To be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. Four out of four, fulfilling God's purposes. This, I hate to say, it has to happen. It has to happen. And people ponder why. And even ponder why there's evil in the world. I'm just going to say this to you. God created a perfect system in Genesis. You know, people talk about, well, if we could just pour more money into this situation, if we could just do that. Well, in, in the beginning, our federal head parents had everything. Beautiful garden, animals as pets, perfect climate, all, all, all around. Um, just th- there was nothing that they didn't have. However, when they chose to rebel against God, they're the ones who ushered in sin into the world. And mankind throughout the millennia has always had this choice to follow God or to follow making themselves a God, a false God, a false... People do it today. I choose a place to worship based on what suits my lifestyle. I choose a place to worship, and I chose a place to worship 25 years ago based on what was the truth. And I visited a lot of places, and I read a lot of books. So what God needs us to know is the human race is that we are not going to solve our own problems. And he doesn't like evil either. But this is what the human race has chosen, unfortunately, wholesale. And God's attitude is, I'm not going to let this happen forever. There will be justice. There will be the separating of the sheep and the goats. But 
you know, I was just listening. I was driving to, to church today, and there's a, it's actually B-A-B-B-E-L. It's, it's, um, remember we talked about Babel and Babylon, what those words mean? There's actually a company, it's B-A-B, not that I'm advertising for them, B-A-B-B-E-L, very close to Babel. It's a, a, it's a language learning company, and they have this technique that you could learn any language through there. Now, what does that say implicitly? It says that when God confused the languages and spread the people, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the company. I don't know anything about them. I just heard the ad coming in here. But what it, what it is saying is that, is, and there's almost this implicit or unconscious idea that as God's, you know, confused the languages, our company is going to bring it all back together. Remember we talked about the full circle globalism with Babel, going through clans and nationalism and regionalism, globalism, and then back to Babel again, back to the one world, you know, globalist movement. The globalist movement started in Genesis 11. So there's a lot here. And if I'm hitting you with just too much heavy stuff, I I, I don't apologize, but I, I certainly would be more than happy to stay with you and help you understand it. So what I'm sharing with you today is something that's going to take place. Right now, the harlot is still on the beast. She's ever vibrant. She's attractive to a lot of people. Many will follow both of them. One day, hopefully everybody wakes up and the light bulb goes off and they'll look around and see everybody else still anesthetized spiritually to this. Uh, much of the chaos we're seeing in our nation and in the world is a result of this. It's, it's done, it's, it's engineered, it's done purposely. And again, last thing I want to say is how can I teach this with a smile and a calm demeanor? Because the Lord promised to return for us and not leave us orphans. I take every word of Jesus Christ literally. Every promise that Jesus uttered, I take it literally. He will not leave us orphans. He's not going to leave us floundering in this world. So when people, and, and they do, they, it's, I don't want to say a vibe, but people feed off of you. When, you. when you're like, you know what, I'm cool. Yeah, I know I see this stuff going on. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing my part to help people, but I'm not freaking out about it. And, and again, they ask you why. And you say, because the answers are in the scripture. So my thing is this, is that we pray for revival. And there could be one more revival before the Lord returns. It may have already started. But in the end, the Lord has prepared a glorious kingdom. He is the last kingdom. And I say that with a capital K because his kingdom will come in and he'll show everybody, hey, human race, are you tired of running yourself? Yeah, poverty, uh, slavery, uh, you know, anarchy. Yeah, we are tired. God's going to be like, I'm ushering my kingdom. Who's on board? And that's what I look forward to. And I know it's coming just as I know all these things are coming. However, we pray for revival and we pray for God's kingdom, but it doesn't happen unless right now you know Jesus and we'll give you that opportunity. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.